Amen. You may be seated. Do you know that with all your heart? His wounds have paid your ransom. That for you in Christ, it is finished. That means your soul is totally rested in Him for salvation. Are you trusting and resting in Jesus this morning? Amen. I pray that's where you are. Let's look back to Romans. Romans chapter 8. We're going to finish uh, Romans chapter 8 this morning. We won't have exhaustively taught it. It's impossible. But hopefully the emphasis is, is helping. And just the encouragement that we're getting from this section that the, the, the sufferings that we go through now, though they are great and hard, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Creation, our own hearts, our own bodies, all that we are will be renewed one day in the new heavens and the new earth to live with our sovereign, holy, loving Savior God. And this morning we're going to focus on thinking about that love and what, how that love defines us. But I want to begin reading in verse 28 and read down through verse 39. This is God's Word. And we know, notice that, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and, and who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's far God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, we praise You this morning that 
Nothing can separate us from your love. The ones of us who truly know you, who are trusting and resting in Christ, we we are in Christ because you set your love upon us. You called us to yourself. You, You united us to Christ through faith. You justified us and you will glorify us. This is your love. This is the love we're talking about. Redeeming, saving love. Gracious love. Love planned in eternity past, worked out in time that will abide forever in the new heavens and the new earth. So today, Lord, help us to grow in our knowledge, in our acceptance of, in our submission to the fact that you love us greatly, redemptively, ultimately, in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, the power of the living God is at work in us through this Word that we might be, as it said, conformed into the image of Christ. That we might, as Jesus prayed, that we might know, that we might know that you, the Father, love us as you love the Son. Therefore, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are at work in us and guarantee our salvation. Help us to own who we are in your love and live kingdom-centered lives, Christ-centered lives, truly Christ-centered lives. In the power of your spirit for your glory and our good. Knowing that all of our enemies have been defeated by you, Lord Jesus, at the cross and will be defeated as that defeat is applied. While we walk through this veil of tears and suffer some of the common miseries as the lost world around us, we do it in hope knowing that someday our groaning will be over. Someday we will dwell with you in the new heavens and new earth forever. And that glory will so overshadow our sufferings as it won't be worth comparing. May we get a little better grasp on the fathomless depth of your love for us today. Convert the lost, grow the saved, Empower me to preach and empower us to hear and do a mighty work with your word. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. I thank you, Lord, that you have honored me with love toward you and that I will be bound with these chains like your Apostle Paul. How I look forward to the lions that have been prepared for me. All I pray is that I will find them swift. I am going to make overtures to them so that they will devour me with all speed. Ignatius, an early church father, a bishop of Syrian Antioch that was torn to pieces by lions in the Colosseum at Rome. As 87,000 Romans 
cheered and clapped. Think of that. One of, one of the larger football stadiums that, that we have today, filled with people cheering at you being slaughtered. Cheering because you are being slaughtered because you won't deny Jesus. You won't worship the emperor. You won't partake in the false religious system. You refused to deny Christ. Ignatius, you can debate whether this is smarter or wiser or whatever, but Ignatius even pled with the church not to pray for his release, not to rob him of the honor of being martyred for Christ because he was confident that there was more than this life and there was a higher priority than self-protection. See, what those cheering idolaters in those stands in the Colosseum could not see was that these lions merely led him into the arms of his Savior. To die is gain for the Christian. The lions could kill his body, but they could not kill his soul nor could they separate him from God's love in Christ Jesus. Thousands of Christians were martyred in that Colosseum before that was put to an end. Whole families devoured by wild beasts and encouraging one another to stand strong in the faith. Yet none of them were victims. None of them were victims. It's an odd thing to think about. They were super conquerors. The conqueror was the one getting eaten by the lions, not the one who had this little crown on his head doing this. That was the fool. That was the one who thought he was in charge. Maybe the one who thought he was wiping out the church. But the conquerors were the ones in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the beast, being devoured because to live is Christ, to die is gain. See, we're studying Romans. We're in the chapter 8. We've seen that uh, Paul has, uh, desires to go to Rome and preach the gospel and he lays out the gospel that he preaches for them. He tells them the gospel is the theme of this epistle. So he, he, he tells them first that Jew and Gentile need a Savior. That includes you. That's the whole world, right? We all are lost, fall short of the glory of God and need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus and through faith in Him we are justified. Cleansed from all our sin, credited with His righteousness through faith. And that faith connects us to Christ so that His righteousness is imputed to us. We know that our sin was imputed to Him. We are declared righteous by God on the basis of His Son and His Son's righteousness. And then we saw, we started in chapter 6, God sanctifies those He justifies. Right, So we begin a theology of sanctification in, 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 in chapter 8 that we are, there's no condemnation for us. We are His children empowered by and led by His Spirit to put sin to death and to grow in walking in righteousness, to love Him and love one another. And then we've come to this section now where this, this glory is just overwhelming 
the sufferings of this life. And today, you're all familiar with this verse, but I think we don't quite meditate on it and think about it the way we should, so hopefully today will help. But right in the middle of our text in verse 37, where it says we are more than conquerors, we're going to put that in context and see if we can put a a little bit of meat on those bones. I, I entitled it More Than Conquerors from the verse 37. But the main point is this. Since we cannot be separated from God's love, since we cannot be separated from God's love, we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. That's last week's main point. That's a good one too. This week, since we cannot be separated from God's love, we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. That's correct in the bulletin, right? Isn't it? Okay. Since we cannot be separated from God's love, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. First, we cannot be separated from God's love. And when I say we there, remember we said this last week, we are talking about Christians. We are talking about those who are trusting Christ and Christ alone, those whom God has brought to faith in His Son. We are the ones, that, because of His work, not us. We don't deserve it. We are the ones who cannot be separated from His love. We didn't initiate it. We can't cancel it and nobody can stop it. But look first, we cannot be separated from God's love. And I, you know, I struggled with a little bit with how to break this text down for a sermon. But then kind of once you see the structure of it, it kind of makes sense. And uh, it's kind of a chiastic structure. Or if you think of a point, right? So you start with, with A and you move to B and then you move to C here, and which is the point. And verse 37 is the middle of this text, which actually is the point of the text. And it's surrounded by all of this language to convince us that nothing can separate us from His love. So we're going to look at that, that, this that way this morning. We're going to look at 35 and 36. We're going to skip to 38 and 39. And then the second point, we'll come back to 37. Um, I think that makes sense of the text and the way it's put together. But look at, look at verse 35, and you can see the unit as well, and that's why I broke it down this way. If you look at verse 35, you'll see separate, who shall separate us from Christ, the love of Christ. And then in verse 39, that word separate again. What will be able or who will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? So that brackets this text and points us down towards this main point of being more than conquerors. But we'll talk about that middle point in the second point, in the second point of the sermon. But right now we want to answer this question. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who and later what? So we're going to it's sort of this is all inclusive to show us that nothing and no one, right? Will be able to do this. But look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Shall any of that separate us from the love of Christ? We'll see. We'll see. Obviously the answer is no. But I mean look at that that word tribulation there. That's the same word in the text where Jesus says in this world you will have trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation, right? And nothing weird's happening. 
I've overcome it for you, so now it must work for you. A la Paul in 5.3, we rejoice in our sufferings because through them God is shaping us into the image of Christ. James 1.2, count it all joy when you fall into various tribulation, troubles, trials, because you know God's at work in you. You don't enjoy suffering, but you know that God is shaping you through everything He brings into your life. So this word for tribulation is actually something Christ promised us because He loves us. Because He loves us, He will let us go through trouble in order that we might grow. Think about Lazarus. And when Jesus gets the word that Lazarus is ill, it says He loved them so He stayed two more days where He was. He loved them so He let Lazarus die. But... Because he was at work there and he knew what he was doing. His people were going to have confusion and suffering because they didn't understand, but he knew what he was doing and his will would be accomplished. So tribulation won't separate us or distress. How about the pressures of life in a fallen world? This world ever stress you out? Thank you for laughing. That's what this world does. And without God and a knowledge of His sovereignty and resting in His grace, it's just like being a towel that is wrung out by the daily pressures. But He's with you in the midst. So this distress or pressures, this can't separate us, we'll see. Or persecution. And a lot of these things that flow later, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these words because Paul's just piling things up to make one point, Okay. Persecution, which sometimes results in famine and nakedness and danger and sword. Will persecution separate us from the love of God? Is persecution something that shouldn't be happening? Is persecution part of the plan? It is. Christ promised it. And these rest of, like I said, the list of these troubles kind of are related to persecution. What did Jesus say? Look at John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, see, some of us still want to be in the world of the world, don't we? We want God's grace, but we want to live like Because you are not of the world. Why? Because I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. So Jesus said, if they hated me, well, see, they're going to hate you. Don't be surprised if they hate you. They hated me. Here, listen. Be shocked if you claim to follow Christ and that never causes any trouble in your life. In fact, Jesus said, woe are you when all people think well of you. If we're out there, if we're really living and speaking for Jesus, listen to me, look at me, not everybody's going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. And they're going to hate you. They really don't hate you, they hate Jesus. All of the apostles were martyred, except John. Yet they were not victims. 
They were victors. Live as Christ. Die as gain, right? Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Look at this. This seems crazy. If you're persecuted, have a hallelujah fit. Leap for joy, it says in Luke. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you are reviled, spoken evil against, rejected, persecuted because of Jesus... That's time for a party. Now, listen, look at me. Some of us are really good at being jerks for Jesus' sake. If you're hated and thought because you're being a jerk, you don't get any credit, kingdom credit for that. Gentle, humble servants who are faithful with the truth and persecuted because of it, they get the credit. Rejoice and be glad if you're persecuted. See, far from destroying us or separating us from God's love, hatred and persecution from the world confirms that we're true followers of Jesus. And all of the opposition and suffering in this world now must work for us. Remember, I can't go back and preach it, but Romans 8, 28, that sermon. God is at work in us and through us in the midst of our suffering. And he said to the Apostle Paul and through him to us, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the better you know and are in touch with your weakness, the more ready you are for the power of God to work in and through you. Because God is opposed to the proud. But He gives grace to the humble who embrace their need and weakness and look for, to Him for grace and help. Look at verse, look, look here. Verse 36. The world's attitude, the way the world thinks about Christians, the way the enemies of the gospel think about us. He says, as it is written in the Psalms, this is Psalm 44, 22, if you're wondering. For your sake, God, we are being killed all day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's how the world... And, and listen, you think maybe that the atmosphere that was in that Colosseum when Ignatius was martyred, you think that can't come now. You're wrong. In fact, it's on the way. It's on the way. I even heard young people who, who, who are being boiled in postmodernism and rejecting legalism and self-righteousness that was forced on them by religious people in their homes talking about how evil religious people are and how they need to be stamped out. Listen, this can come again. And the world considers the church hated and to be stamped out because the church, if the church is being the church, the church will stand against evil. The church will speak out against the wickedness of the culture. Not just in a condemning tone, but in a gospel tone as well, pointing to Jesus and to the gospel. But this says, because of you, Lord, we are seen as sheep to be slaughtered. 
Now skip down. We're going to skip verse 37 right now. Look in verse 38 where Paul just piles stuff up to make a point. It's just one point. He says, for I am sure. I am sure. Why is he sure? Because Christ was raised from the grave. Because Christ had revealed the gospel to him that he might reveal it to the church. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers, I think probably is right to say angels or demons. We're, we're making couplets here in, in comparisons. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor, just wrap it up, Paul, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What in the world is the point. Nothing. No thing. Nada. Nothing. No person. No animal. No thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in you or outside of you. Now you may not have a true faith and you may turn from the Lord and that's what's happening these days with a lot of people who've been under a shallow gospel and now they're rejecting the what they don't even know. They don't even know Jesus. But if you're in Christ, if you're trusting in Him, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even your own sin. He will discipline you for it if you're His child and He will bring you back. I mean, think David. I'm not going down that laundry list, but David wasn't always perfect. But you, listen, look at me. Nothing can separate you from the love of God if you're in Christ. You can't separate you. Nobody else can separate you. Nothing. You can't decide to jump out of His hand. You didn't decide to jump in there. Remember, we've already studied that up in, in 28 and 29 and 30. For those whom He foreknew, He set His love upon before the foundation of the world. We, this helps us know that our interpretation is right there. That foreknewing is talking about the love of God for us, and now that's what we can't be separated from. He foreknew us before the foundation of the world. So He called us to Himself in time, and He justified us, and He will glorify us. He'll finish the work He's begun. Nothing will ever be able to set separate you from His love. He set His love on you. You are His elect. Nothing can change His mind. I know not everybody likes this theology, but it comes directly from your Bible. And once you get it, you see it everywhere. You know why? Because it's everywhere. God set His love upon you. He began this work in you. He will finish this work. None can overcome Him, so none can separate you from His love. Are you trusting in Christ and Christ alone this morning? If so, this confidence is yours. The glory coming will just wash out all the sufferings of this life. There's nothing that can separate you from His love. He has declared you righteous. He has justified you and He will glorify you. He will finish the work. There are going to be days when you don't feel like you have any faith and days when you think He's given up on you and days when you don't want to walk with Christ. But if you're His child, His Spirit's in you and He will work in you through your hard days and your easy days to keep you and protect you and grow you in grace. No, not to make you comfortable and make everything go your way, but He will conform you into the image 
of His Son. And nothing can stop Him. So, rest. Soul rest. Rest in the midst of the trial. Rest that Mike and Jan are testifying to this week. That they've had peace in the midst of that storm. Rest, child of God, because nothing can separate you from His love. Now, number two, we're going to go back to verse 37. Therefore, since nothing can separate us from His love, therefore, based on that fact, we are more than conquerors. Verse 37. Again, I told you this is the middle of the text and the main emphasis right here of this surrounding statement that nothing can separate us from His love. No, we're not just sheep to be slaughtered. In all these things, what? This present suffering, the things that God works together for good, all of these things in all... Now look at it, not in most of these things, not in half of these things, in all. Of these things, we are not victims. We are victors. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. The troubles and the hardships of life in a fallen world, the troubles and hardships of the world's opposition, yes, they're real, but we're not victims. We are victors. We are more than conquerors through Him. Because He loved us and He'll never stop. In this manner, God loved the world. That He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You want to know if God loves you? You look to that cross. That's how you know. Because if you look at your circumstances, your experience of His love is going to go like this. If you look at your feelings, it'll go like mostly this. Right? Sometimes, maybe a little bit. But if you look at that cross and you say, wow, He did that for me. What good will He withhold from me? What that I need will He withhold? I can trust Him in the midst of my deepest pain on my highest mountaintop and everywhere in between. Christ died for our sins. That should just stop. That should be enough. Wow. I deserve condemnation. And He took it. That's why He died. He paid the penalty for my sin. I don't care what else I have in this life. He loves me. It's not plucking the flower. He loves me. He loves me not. There's no He loves me not. Although we might feel like that sometimes. Are you trusting in Jesus this morning? That means you're reconciled to God through the death of His Son. He loves you. He's cleansed you from all of your sin, clothed you in the righteousness of Christ. You are a child of God now. You're not promised comfort, but conformity. Conformity into the image of Christ. But because He loves us, He loved us. And He'll never stop loving us. We are in Him more than conquerors. 
One, when you see this, and if you look at different translations, that, look at that little phrase, more than conquerors. That's three words in the English, right? It's one word in the Greek. It's one. One word in the Greek. And it, it, it's, it, it, and it doesn't just say conquerors. No, look at that. He could have said, in all these things, we are conquerors through Him who loved us. But it says more than that. That's why you see in the ESV those words more than. And that's in a lot of translations, those words more than. What it's telling us is we are winners by far. Right? It's not even close. We are way more than conquerors. It's not even close. Y'all knew this was going to probably come out somewhere, but that, that Georgia Bulldog Championship game where Georgia just stomped the face off of TCU... It wasn't even close. And they had to put the second string in in the middle of the third quarter. It had been 175 to 7 or whatever. Not mocking TCU, just, you know, you got to enjoy your team when they're up. But they, it wasn't close. It wasn't even, there was no stress. After what, the first quarter? I know a lot of people don't like games like that, but when it's your team, you like it. Because that previous one was way too close for comfort. Anyway, we're not talking about that one. This word right here, now listen to it, and you're going to hear some words you're familiar with. And I don't usually quote Greek words, but I wanted to do it this morning. Hupernikao. Hupernikao. It won't be a slide for that. The Greek there, huper, comes from the Latin on into the English. We translate it super. Super. And then, okay, some of y'all might be wearing your Nikao or your Nike. 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 Nike meaning victory. Cooper or super. Nike, Nike, victory. We, we have a super victory. We are super Nike. We're not just Nike. We're a super Nike in Christ. Hooper meaning over, beyond. Nike meaning victory. Put it together. This one compound word means this. To be completely and overwhelmingly victorious. In the midst of your sufferings in this life. Because God loved you and He's going to finish the work He's begun in you. Even through your tears, you are super victorious. You are overwhelmingly victorious because nothing can separate you from his love. Super conquerors. Ignatius, as those lions were pulling him apart in the floor of that Colosseum, was a super conqueror. We got to get our mind right. We got to stop interpreting God by our circumstances. We got to believe his truth. We got to know that trouble's coming. We participate in the sufferings of this world, but we look above the sun, our study in Ecclesiastes, to the one who reigns and is at work in this world to get his gospel to the ends of the earth and to use his children in that process. And sometimes through great suffering on our part, his gospel goes out to others. But Paul is saying, you are overwhelmingly victorious conquerors through Him who loved you. 
Because God loved you and He won't stop loving you because all things now have to work for you, verse 28. He called you and all the way down to glorifies you. He set His love upon you and He will finish that work. You are a super conqueror. Whether they crown your head or they cut it off, you win. But the church, being in America at least, is far too calibrated to comfort and judges everything by whether or not it works or it's comfortable for us. we got to be careful. We're following Jesus. We're following that great conqueror who was hated by the world, religious and otherwise, who was crucified by the world, who promises us trouble and hardship, but promises to victor to work through them, to conquer them, has conquered them is what he said, to make them all work for us now. And that knowing that we are loved by him, we need to think of ourselves as overwhelmingly victorious no matter what comes. As Jesus submitted to the hard, to hardship and death for the glory of God, so we too Submit to His will in this world, knowing that nothing shall separate us from God's love. There's nothing you can do to keep the trials from coming. Some people will try. That's why I hate the health and wealth theology because they are taking pieces of Scripture here and there and putting forth, at the very least, an over-realized eschatology and sometimes just bald-faced lies that they made up to try to root you here and what you can have and do here. If the persecution that hit in Rome comes here, all that will fa- just fade away. Because, listen, it's not true. It's not true. Job's counselors were wrong. He wasn't suffering because he had sinned. He was a good father who did everything he could possibly know to do, right? And yet all those things still happened. And there's a lot of mystery in that. But there's no amount of people you can get praying and no amount of money you can give to anybody and no amount of things you can do to make sure you don't have these hard trials in your life. You're in God's hands, right? He is sovereign. He doesn't violate the will of the creature. He doesn't take away second causes. We're not puffets. We're responsible for our, for our choice, choices. But what he wants you to know in the midst of this suffering is this glory that's coming is going to be overwhelming and wash it all out and that there's nothing that can happen to you that will separate you from his love. That cross stays in effect no matter what happens. And having that cross and that crucified Savior, you have it all. So just as Jesus submitted to hardship and death for the glory of God and the good of His people, our main prayer every day, look at me, listen to me, should be, not my will, but yours be done. Do with me what you will because of what you've done for me. I am yours. You are sovereign over everything. You are accomplishing all of your purpose. You are almighty. And in you we are super.
conquerors. The, the Holman Christian Standard Bible says more than victorious. The NAS says overwhelmingly conquer. The Net Bible says we have complete victory because of Him who loved us. And it's all a gift. This victory is a gift. This status of super conqueror is a gift to you through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Stop. Most who have been born of God overcome the world. That's not what that says, is it? Everyone who has been born of God, who has been born again, who is in Christ Jesus, overcomes the world with the victory that God has brought and He is working through the veil of tears that we live in. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, which is a gift of God. Look at verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God by God's grace, you are an overcomer. You are a super conqueror. You can get you a t-shirt now that says Super Nike. He did it. (laughs) You're welcome. Just a couple points of application. Christ, listen, I'm just beating it into my head and yours. Christ has completely conquered for us. He is the true and greater super conqueror. God's love was set on us before the foundation of the world and therefore we have been called and we trust Him. We are in Him. We've been justified and we will be glorified because Christ has overcome and we are hidden in Him. We are overcomers. And not just overcomers, but super overcomers. So you want you got to fight for this doctrine of God's sovereignty because without it, you won't have the peace that is yours in knowing that you are a super overwhelming conqueror, that you are overwhelmingly victorious because you are in Him. Stop, period. You are in His love, therefore you are a super conqueror. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay, now there we qualify, right? Christ has completely conquered for us. So, number two, in Him, by our faith union with Him, being hidden in Him, being forgiven and righteous and empowered, we, you, are super conqueror. This is something you just have to believe. You just have to believe it. Because He said it. He promises it. Your life won't always look like it. But nothing can cancel His gospel. And being in Christ, you are a super conqueror. See, it matters how you see yourself. It matters that you own your true identity in Christ from God's Word. It's vital to being able to face the hardships of this life in this fallen world with confidence. Believe what this Word says about your God. Believe what this Word says about His gospel about His Son, and believe what this Word says about you and who you are in His Son. That way, you can walk through this world 
with the peace that passes understanding. You can walk through the storm. Don't say you won't, it won't be hard and you won't you know, struggle or grieve or anything like that, but you can walk through it with this peace because you know your God's still on the throne. The one who foreknew you and foreloved you still loves you. He's promised to make it all work for you. You won't understand it all, but He's with you. Remember, we've seen that in these texts. If He's for us, who can be against us? So in Him, we are over, over super conquerors overwhelmingly conquerors. So we take it by faith, that glory that's coming. Think about there being no more sin. No more sin. Full satisfaction, full full joy always, full peace, full purpose. Loving God with a pure heart. Loving one another with a pure heart. No more sickness, crying, dying, or death. But all things made new. That's coming for us. That's what's going to wash out, overwhelm all the struggles we have in this life. But He doesn't want you to wait to then to know that you're a super conqueror. He wants you to know it today so that you can live in that light and walk through these struggles with faith and with hope. And yes, even with peace. So in the hardships and suffering and loss of this world, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. He wins, so we win. And it's not even close. Think about how how frustrating it must be to be God's enemy and never be able to score a point. At least TCU scored a touchdown. He makes everything work for us. To His glory and our good. The enemy has some apparent victories, but when those are in light of the resurrection and the purpose and plan of God, they're losses for the enemy. See, this is how the apostles could willingly and joyfully give up their lives for Him. This is how Ignatius could face that hostile emperor with confidence and joyfully beckon the lions rather than submit to denying Christ. They were sure. They were sure that nothing could separate them from His love. Therefore, they were sure that they were more than conquerors through Him who loved them. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Help us to live in light of your truth, Lord. To be sanctified by your truth. To own your truth as to who you are and your love for us in Christ and the great salvation that we have in him. To own what your word says about us instead of just going by our feelings and our circumstances and what we wish were true. Help us to own who we are. We're children of the King. We are cleansed and forgiven for all of our sin. We are clothed, Lord Jesus, in your righteousness. We are in union with you. We're hidden with you. We're seated already in the heavenly places. You will finish the work you've begun. And it's in the past tense glorified in, 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 a, in this above text because it is sure to be finished. Just as you said on the cross, Lord Jesus, it is finished. Someday the application of that victory 
will be finished. And you will burst the sky. And if we pass from this life before that day, we will immediately be set free and be with you and await the resurrection. Nothing but hope for us in the midst of this world. Struggles and griefs and trials. And yes, we we grieve, but we grieve in hope. Help us to believe that in you, Lord Jesus, and because of you, we in this life are overwhelmingly victorious. We are overwhelmingly conquerors. We are super conquerors. Because we know you. And we know your love for us. And nothing will ever separate us from your love. Thank you. Thank you. We give you praise this morning and pray that you would help us to grow in living in this light and be light and salt to those around us. We give you all the praise and we ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.